Welcome to the Catastrophic Comeback Podcast with American injury lawyer Clark Speaks, helping you find hope, purpose, and joy after a catastrophic injury. Hi, welcome to Catastrophic Comeback. I'm excited today to have my uh, guest, Chris Miranda. Chris Miranda is a senior workers' compensation paralegal at Speaks Law Firm. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Chris, uh, first, tell me a little bit about your background and uh, you know how you became involved in uh, work, the workers' compensation field and how long you've been doing it, that sort of thing. Um, I've been involved in the industry in a couple of different ways for a little over 30 years now. Um, when I moved to Wilmington from New York, I bounced around job to job for a little while, and about 20 years ago, I landed at a another law firm here in town, and the only thing that was available was workers' comp, so I just tackled it, and I've been doing it ever since then. Well, so let me ask you this. When you, you, you moved here from, you, you moved to North Carolina from New York. Yes. And what, what kinds of work did you do in New York? I worked for the, uh, I worked for Liberty Mutual Insurance Company. The last thing I did for them there was as a team manager, so I had four or five people reporting to me, probably 1,500 cases that we were responsible for. Big cases, small cases, high-value cases, medium-value, low-value? Kind of a combination of all that. You know, we had car wrecks, and we had slip and falls and premises liability cases, um, but we handled a variety of different cases. The way their setup was back then was that if it was a catastrophic loss, it just straight, it went straight to our home office, which is... Um, Boston and New Hampshire. So you've been in the injury space for more than 30 years. Yeah, when I first started, I worked in uh, the construction unit for Liberty Mutual, and we covered all five boroughs in New York City. And you learn a lot really quick because it's not people who are just spraining their backs or spraining their ankles. It's guys who are falling off buildings and shattering both their ankles or breaking their backs and, and things like that. So. It was a good baptism into the medical part of things. So I really credit that with my, what I know about the medical field and what I've, how I've used it in this career. Well, I think that's something I wanted to talk to you about because the focus of this uh, podcast is catastrophic injuries and, mm-hmm. and how they affect people and how we can help those kinds of people or how some, someone can help those kinds, those people that are in that, involved in that process. Um, uh, so you talked about your uh, uh, background and your uh, in, in in New York and, and dealing with these kinds of cases and and uh, is there a difference in your in your observation with dealing with uh, cases where people are less seriously hurt versus dealing with these catastrophic cases? You know, you like to say that every case is the same, but. There's just more, um, you, you've got to act quicker, I guess, in a catastrophic case. And it obviously is going to take up a lot more of your time, but yeah, it is different. You know, um, your basic run-of-the-mill case, if there really is one, you know, you can kind of do the same things over and over again. But a catastrophic case you're going to get thrown curveballs all the time and things that you don't expect. So you've kind of got to be more on your toes for those types of cases. 
So we'll come back to that in just a minute. Let's, you, you mentioned sort of the more run-of-the-mill garden variety case. We underst- I understand. I think everybody understands that all cases are different, and they require you know, specialized uh, focus, and, spe- and, 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 and we want to you know, treat everybody as an individual and not as a number, for sure. That, I think that goes, hopefully that goes without saying. But with respect to, um, it is true that most, uh, lots of, you see, you see on a day-to-day basis, we might see a lot of shoulder injuries, a lot of knee injuries, a lot of ordinary back injuries, a lot of ankle injuries, um, those kinds of things. And somebody might be out of work for six Six months. months. Yep. Um, They'll have a prescribed course of treatment. At the end of that, they might... Uh, have some work restrictions and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so let me so let me ask you: Can you walk me through that process of a of a more of a of a of a workers' comp case case that is serious enough to affect someone's ability to work and require medical attention and require a workers' compensation claim to be opened and pursued, but not so serious as to where we would consider it catastrophic? Just procedurally, what are the elements? What goes on in a case like that? Well, you know, we've, you've, first you've got to make sure that there's insurance coverage for this person, right? So in North Carolina, if you employ three or more people, you're supposed to have insurance coverage. And just because that's the law doesn't mean that there are, aren't companies out there who aren't getting the coverage that they need. So that's the first thing is because if there's no insurance coverage, there's really not much that we can do because if you go after the person individually, even if you win – you just may not recover anything for your injured person, and that's really not fair to them to put them through the process. But so, if we can confirm that there's coverage and there's different ways of doing it, um, you know, then we would file the necessary paperwork with the industrial commission, file letters of rep with the insurance companies, and try to establish a relationship with the insurance adjuster to make sure that our client is going to get the things that they're supposed to have. So stage one is open a claim. Is that fair? Right. Yes. Okay. What's the next stage? Um, well, we then we've got to uh, start collecting information, right? So the insurance company, if it's an accepted case, they should be sending us all the medical uh, records. Um, they should be sending our client for treatment. They should be paying them a portion of their wages while they're out. Um, and we need to just make sure that that process gets started. Okay, so so the way I understand your explanation is stage two is collect documentation, set up treatment, and and pay benefits. Mm-hmm. And okay. and and if they don't do if, if if at any point during this process the insurance company who's on the other side of this claim doesn't do that, then there are I guess remedies that we could avail ourselves of and try to, and, and hearings we could request and those yes. kinds of things. There's depending on the situation. That's going to determine what our next step is going to be if something goes wrong. And, and as cliche as it may sound, something is going to go wrong in every case. And it may be a small something or it may be a big something. But there's always something. Um, you know, uh, maybe wage benefits get cut off by mistake. Um, and that does happen. They get the, somebody doesn't hit the button and the check doesn't go out. Or Goes they, to the wrong address goes to the wrong address or somebody sets up a certain amount of payments and then that when that time period expires, they forget to renew it. In fact, we just had a situation like that. Um, so there's, and there's different ways to combat all those things. Most 
of these smaller situations, you can resolve with an email or maybe a telephone call or, or something like that. But, you know, if there's medical treatment that's been denied or if the case it, itself has just been denied, then there's methods to go to the Industrial Commission to try to push things along and, and come to some resolution for our client. So stage three to me is uh, um, something goes wrong, but stage three could take place at any point in this whole process. Absolutely. And it might take place more than once. Right. And it may be right at the very beginning or maybe right at the end or it could be any place on the line. Okay. Stage four. What are we looking at here? Well, if once the client's done with all their medical treatment, then we're going to work to try to get their case settled for them in the best in the way that's best for them because the way you settle for one person isn't necessarily the way you want to settle it for somebody else and and we'll talk more about what that means especially when we get to when we start looking at this from a catastrophic perspective mm -hmm. but i see what you're saying so so then the stage four is going to be uh you know where we look to mediate settle clinch mm -hmm. is that fair sure, when sure. i say clinch what, do I, what what does that mean um, in North Carolina, the settlement paperwork for an all-inclusive settlement, for some reason, is called a clincher. Nobody's ever really explained to me why they call it that. It's really uh, a, 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 a settlement agreement is what it is, but that's the nickname for it. Um, it's a really long document drawn up uh, by the defense attorneys, just summarizing medical treatment, summarizing whether they agree with something or whether they disagree with something. And it also points out, uh, it specifies what the settlement amount is. And what it's for so that we can, because some of that has tax consequences that, that from our perspective, mm -hmm. representing the plaintiffs, we've got to be very careful to include certain language and, right. and exclude other language. Right. Okay, so those are, the, those are the stages of this process. And at any point, uh, a dispute can arise and often does between us and the other. And then what's the process if and when a dispute arises? Well, there's, again, it depends on what the dispute is. Um, there are motions, which is, that can be filed with the Industrial Commission to get them to um, have an informal telephonic hearing where uh, somebody from the Industrial Commission, usually a special deputy commissioner, will hear both sides and make a ruling. Um, or you can file for a hearing with the Industrial Commission, which um, is a more formal process. The ultimate uh, end result in that is that you'll go to a hearing before a deputy commissioner who will hear testimony from um, the injured party, then there may be testimony from the employer, but the big part of that is gonna be testimony from the doctors and any other experts that we might have. Um, and that's a really long process. So before you ever get to that, pro that part of it, the Industrial Commission uh, mandates that you have a mediation, which is just really talking about numbers most of the time. Where does mediation generally fall in a workers' comp context? Um, well, in a perfect situation, it would be towards the end of the case um, so that we have all the information that we need to make the right decisions and the right recommendations to our client. Um, but sometimes, especially like in a denied case, it's gonna come up a lot sooner than we want it to. And then we have to project things and work with what we have because our client might not have gotten all the 
treatment that they really needed. On average, how long might this process take from beginning to end? Um, you know, a normal case, for lack of a better, better term, I always tell folks that they should expect it's, it's going to take six months to a year. Really, do I see where they've going to be less than six months? But I think that's a good uh, estimate of how long it's going to take. If somebody's a little bit more seriously injured and they have multiple surgeries um, or really long recovery times, then obviously it's going to last longer than that. Um, but on average, hopefully within a year, 18 months, something like that, we'll go from start to finish. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.